Okay, mine's a quickfire question. Sure. If the person to your left had to spend 100 years wild-shaped, what would they be wild-shaped as for 100 years go? It's a quickfire question. It's a quick, yeah. yeah, but That's I can't. Hard. I'm going through the list of nature animals in my Okay, I'll in change it. If you, yeah. were, if you yourself were if had to be I'm wild-shaped myself, for 100 if, years. If I wanted to be and yeah. like uh, I would live that entire time, Yeah. a bear. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to answer for you, porcupine. Why porcupine for me? Well, I mean, you kind of got a sharp personality. (laughs) And you're intensely cuddly, but if you piss you off, you're going to throw shit. A little prickly. (laughs) Um... Uh, I'm only prickly for a minute, and then I come back down again. Exactly, right? And I I, I, I have friends who have, like, pet porcupines. Fine. Pufferfish. What the fuck? <laughs> so anything just covered in pricks. Okay. Yeah, thank well, you. something that gets prickly for a second and then goes back to regular. That's right? Me. Like a puffer fish is kind of cute, yeah. a regular, and then it just yeah, poison. Don't, don't take them out of the water. And then I come back and it just reminds me oh, yeah, if this was to escalate, I wouldn't be able to handle the situation. It's a mimic, the round table Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Dan, and with me today are Kyle and Terry. And this episode is called Druids, Swell Spells for Wild Childs. Mm. I really don't like the wild childs. Saying childs just makes me... I don't like it when people say swell. Really? Yeah, I don't like it. Seems fake. Oh man, that's that's like part of my... Really? Oh yeah. I have two responses. If you ask me how I'm doing and I go, well, I'm living the dream... Then you know I'm in a bad state. If I go, oh man, things are just swell, then I'm in a really bad state. (laughs) That's a very 1950s word. It is. It is, yeah. Oh gee, I'm doing swell, mister. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You have to do the arm thing when (laughs) you're doing it, yeah. Anyways, we have previously covered the Circle of Land, Circle of the Moon, and Circle of the Shepherd in our first Druid episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and a level progression. And honestly, we kind of ripped on the class a little too hard. In our second Druid episode, we went over the Circle of Dreams and Circle of Spores, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to think about a Druid's treasured items, guiding aspect, and mentor. You can find these episodes, as well as our other class episodes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you could jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, however, looks at the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything to see what new druidic circles there are for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. And it's not all fur and trees, though, as this panel of Dungeon Masters has discovered. And, of course, the optional class features in Tasha's will get a bit of a spotlight, too. I have definitely turned around and embraced druids and what they have to offer, but I want to ask you guys, Terry, Kyle, before we get started, what is one nature-based power that you would like to have in real life? Lightning. You want to just spew lightning out from your... 100%. Okay. 100%. Yeah, I think I could do the world service with this. Okay. Kyle? Okay. I'm really curious how you think you're going to do the world a service. Uh, I'll do, like, I think I'll do, right, I'll do me a service. Yeah, okay. I'll do me a service. Well, I'm going well, straight think, to the island you talked about earlier. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, think about it this way. Your phone is always charged. Right. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. You get a Tesla, you never have to go anywhere. Like, you never have to plug mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. Which, if you have ADHD, is a blessing. Because no. you're going to forget to plug that thing in all the time. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, what about you? What do you uh, I'm going to have to go ice. I really like ice. 
Like, not, just generating... Like, like, not water, but frozen. Yeah. You know, like, being able to build walls. I think of, like, Iceman from X-Men. Right. Like, I thought that guy was had a dope power. Does that automatically give you resistance to ice, or are you just destined for poor circulation and frostbite? God, I hope so, because I hate being cold. Yeah. So. Oh, I love being cold. I'm from Edmonton, really? so, like... Oh, yeah, man. Not it, me. Like, we're, we're hitting that... It ain't negative one for the first time in Vancouver today as we are recording this. Hmm. And it was heaven on earth for me. I walked outside, could see my breath, felt that brisk chill, mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful. We've had all right. I think it's an understatement to say we've had a lot of rain recently. We, we've had some we've, we've had, had some had bad some weather. Is everything co- we're trapped. Yeah. Here, I, actually. I, we actually can't leave the province at the moment. I got a message from we're my friend who lives in Scotland saying, Hey are we heard about what's happening. Yeah. Are you guys okay? I'm Jamie like, in Australia messaged me earlier. Really? Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's it's a bit rough. For me, I would uh, uh, have the ability to spontaneously uh, speed up growth of things. Like cause a flower to enter full bloom from a seed. Or, or as we could see from all of the floods happening right now, actually have some trees grow rather right. quickly. Yeah. Right? So I would just follow behind all the tree planters and just do my job to deal with the uh, rapid cut that's in the clear cutting that happens here all the time. So that and also I'm a carpenter. Having the ability to shape the wood as it's growing would just make my life so much easier. That's pretty cool. Right? So we're going to move on to some druidy things from that now though. And before we really get started, I do want to break down what a druid is in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition because this is our third druids episode. We love him. Our legal team has advised us to say. Yes. Yeah. Our legal team, um, Adam, has um, uh, threatened us upon pain to death. I mean, advised us gently to give druids a chance. And to be completely honest, we did shit on them pretty heavily the first time around. (laughs) And they're not worth the amount of ire we threw to them. So let's talk. They're all right, aren't they? They are all right. And they're one of the most powerful uh, like offensive casters in the game, and I mean, like they have offensive damage dealing spells. Oh, not as in like they just don't it. bathe, and thus their <laughs> smell is offensive. Not that Terry, no. Mm-hmm. Um, They're out there though. <laughs> they are. So a druid, like I said, is a full caster, which is a term to say they cast up to ninth level spells. Okay, they get a D8 hit points per level, putting them above what our typical casters like a wizard or a sorcerer would get with a d6 okay their base saves are intelligence and wisdom which to me is interesting this is the first time we've really seen druids with a focus on how smart they are and how Mm. intelligent they are Mm. they've always been wisdom based and you'll see with a lot of their spell casting they are still wisdom based with that for proficiencies they get light and medium armor and shields however they will not wear any armor or shields made from metal and this is a holdover from previous editions that I love. They get uh, clubs, daggers, darts, javelins, maces, quarterstaffs, scimitars, sickles, slings, and spears. Why didn't they just tell us simple weapons? I don't know. And uh, they get proficiency with a herbalism kit because a druid that can't tell the difference between basil and rosemary is a shit druid. <laughs> For skills, they get to choose two from arcana, animal handling, insight, it's medicine. basil, but whatever. <laughs> Carry on. It's basil if it's a name. It is a name. Yeah, but it's basil if you're talking about the herb. Wait, right, but everything else, rose, all of that stuff, those names are fine, you know? <laughs> yes. 
100 percent which Rose Mary. Rosemary's okay doesn't become Ross and Mary no because the word <laughs> the, the, the herb is pronounced rosemary but you're yes but the, I, I but know the name, it could be but rosemary the name comes from the herb the right. name comes from the herb yeah so it's basil Okay, who's naming their kids Basil after the Great Mouse British. Detective? Yeah, the, okay. the British people, yeah. We when we invented names, that's what we decided. See, see here here's the thing. I, I think I think and this is completely just to annoy you. The <laughs> I love how we don't even hide it. They're inverted. For specifically for Basil, it's inverted. Basil was named after Basil. Yeah, no, but this is what I'm telling you. Basil was already around before Canada was What's the word we use now? Discovered oh. discovered for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, so they get to choose between arcana, animal handling, insight, medicine, nature, perception, religion, and survival. This goes all part and parcel with them being the ones who are the outdoor kings in Dungeons & Dragons. They get to know a secret language right off the bat, which is Druidic. It is a language made not so much of words and speech but of signs and uh, symbols but different to thieves camp but it's vastly different to thieves camp uh similar in the way that only a druid can know it mm-hmm. okay and then also first level they get their spell casting which they get a good amount of cantrips it's about on par for a wizard but where they really shine is at second level where they get their main quote-unquote main class feature which is wild shape this lets you transform into a beast up to a max of one cr level which isn't a whole hell of a lot unless you go Circle of the Moon, which you get to be a little bit bigger than that. Also, at second level, you get to choose your Druid Circle. This is similar to Wizards who get to choose their school at level 2 as well. Okay, So when you get your Circle of Spores, Circle of Land or whatever, level 2, not level 3. Next, you get uh, Timeless Body, which is your 18th level ability, which means you just get more of the same and uh, more of your Druid Circle abilities all the way up until 18th level, when the base class finally gives you the ability to age slowly. Thank you, druids. That's not going to be helpful or really count all that much for your player characters. Yeah. Does I, I mean? I have a question. An elf druid is just effectively immortal, right? Right. I guess so. Because for every one year an elf ages, they get ten more years based off timeless body. But they live to 500 years old, so they could live to 5,000. Is that what we're saying? I guess so. I'd, yeah. I mean, it would depend on what age they hit the timeless body at. Yeah. Well, based off new rules with Tasha's, anyone could be any age. Just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, at 18th level, you can cast your spells while you are wild shaped. And uh, you do not need to be able to provide uh, material components to the spells. You can just transform into a bear and then cast Entangle as a bear. It's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Finally, at 20th level, uh, you get Arch Druid, which is when you become the best Druid who ever Druided, which means you could Wild Shape as many times as you damn well please. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all we get from the Player's Handbook for Druids, other mm-hmm. than a whole list of spells, which outside of the Player's Handbook for spells, we only really get three new spells given to us in Tasha's for Druids. They are Summon Beast, Summon Fey, and Summon Elemental. All three summons are conjuration spells that get gradually higher level as you go. They function as all of the other summon spells we've seen with other classes. Now, if you just care about druids, I'm still going to break these things down for you. Because how these function is unique because druids, rangers, and a little bit of wizard are the only classes that get these. 
your nature cleric isn't getting these for mm. the most part. Mm. Okay? Which makes them unique. So let's start with the lower level one that's Summon Beast. That is a second level conjuration spell with a range of 90 feet to summon. To summon it, you need a uh, small gilded acorn worth 200 gold that has stuffed inside of it a feather, a tuft of fur, and a fishtail. Now, this is not consumed upon the spell. It doesn't say it is consumed. So you just hold on to this weird acorn with a little bit of bird, beast, and fish in it. That's going to get smelly after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not going to find another one, so I'm glad it's yeah. not consumed. But I, I'm, I'm also, I don't think the druid cares. Yeah. Right? Um, next, you uh, know that this is a concentration spell, so this is going to last for a full hour based off your concentration should you hold it. A lot of druid spells are concentration, so hopefully this is worth it. Let's see. At the time of the casting, you for summon beast, you choose an element. Land, air, or water. The beast you summon must be native to one of those three elements, and that will determine which stat block abilities you get. Which means you don't go, I summon a bear, and get different stats from saying, I summon a lynx. They're going to be the same stats. This is easier for everyone involved because you're going to be running off of the given stat block for the summoning spell with a couple things depending on what element you choose. Okay? Now, these beasts, when you summon them, share initiative with the caster, but go directly after them after their turn. They obey all verbal commands, which require no action for the druid to say. So it's not like you blow your bonus action and then the thing can go. No, no, no. You could just, as a free action, say, hey, attack that guy. And then do your full turn. Right. All right. Okay? Which is different from past editions and insane. Um, however, if you do not tell it to do anything on your turn, it will use the dodge action as its action and use its move action to get as far away from danger as possible. Okay? So unless you're telling it to do something, it's going to run and hide. Okay? Now, in terms of stat block, it is always going to be small-sized. It is not medium. It is not large. You summon a grizzly. It is a tiny, cute little pet grizzly that is about the size of a kitty cat. So, all right, that's yeah. an adorable image. Adorable little murder bear. Yeah. Um, its AC is going to be eleven plus the spell slot level used to cast the spell, and it gets twenty plus five, uh, twenty hit points plus five additional hit points per spell slot you go for air, or thirty plus five for land and water. They get a 30-foot move, but that same speed also exists as a climb for uh, land animals, a swim for water animals, and a uh, fly for air animals. And that fly is a hover, okay? Mm -hmm. They get pretty decent wisdom, constitution, and strength. They get middling dexterity, and their int and charisma are damn near terrible. They have dark vision 60 feet, and their proficiency bonus matches the caster who cast the spell. They understand all the same languages as their caster as well, which gives this bear the ability to understand common and words given from other people as well. It'll obey the master, the summoner, but it will still understand the barbarian cussing it out. Okay? Right. So, something to know. They also get multi-attack, which happens the amount of times equal to the level of the spell halved rounded down. Which means if you use a level 9 spell to cast this, they get 4 attacks. Okay? Okay. Now, for beasts, they get a maul. And it's a melee attack that does uh, 1d4 plus 4 plus spell level of the spell used piercing damage 
um, and you use your spell attack modifier for the attack bonus to this, okay? Now, air beasts get a flyby ability, which means they will not have an attack opportunity when they're leaving threatened areas. Water uh, beasts get pack tactics as well as water breathing, mm -hmm. and land beasts get just pack tactics, okay? There's your spell, okay? Summon Fey is quite similar, except it's a third level conjuration spell. Um, it requires a gilded flower worth 300 gold. It also lasts an hour, and the types you have to choose are Fuming, Mirthful, or Trixie, okay? Otherwise, they function the exact same as the beasts in terms of when they move on an initiative um, and what they do if not directed, okay? They are also small-sized, by and large, no matter what type of fey you choose, okay? Uh, they have a AC of 12 plus the spell slot level. Their hit points are 30 plus 10 per additional spell slot level up. They move at a speed of 40 feet. They have a fantastic dexterity and charisma, a pretty decent strength, constitution, and intelligence, and their dump stat is an 11 in wisdom, okay? They have dark vision of 60 feet and are immune to being charmed. Their proficiency matches their caster like the beasts. They speak and understand Sylvan and also understand all of the other languages of the caster. This is universal for all the summoning spells. And they also get multi-attack, which is, again, half the spell level used to cast a spell rounded down. Okay? For a fae, this is a short sword attack, which does 1d6 plus 3 plus spell level piercing damage plus 1d6 of force. Okay? Now, all Fae get a Fae Step, which is a bonus action, letting them teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that they could see. When they do this, this is when their type plays in, because as soon as they do the Fae Step, they can then do an additional thing. Fuming Fae get advantage on their next attack roll before the end of that turn. Mirthful force one creature within 10 feet to make a Wisdom save, or be charmed by the caster and that Fae, for one minute or until they take damage. Note, there's no additional saves, and it's only if they take damage. So you could charm that dude and beat up his friend, and they don't get a save again. All right. Okay? Heavy. Yeah. It's actually kind of, I think, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm pretty sure they just forgot to type that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Next is the Trixie uh, one, which lets you fill a five-foot cube with magical darkness after you pop. Okay? And it's within ten feet of you. Okay? Finally is Summon Elemental. This is a fourth level conjuration spell, also with a range of 90 feet. It requires a uh, some air, a pebble, ash, and water inside a gold inlaid vial worth 400 gold to cast. That's the material component, okay? It again lasts an hour, and you choose an element. Surprising, because they're elementals. So you choose air, water, fire, and earth. Duh. They... Again, share initiative with the caster, go after the caster, and will flee from danger should they not be given directives on their turn. For stats, a elemental that you summon is always going to be medium-sized. Their AC is 11 plus the spell slot uh, level of the spell slot used to cast them. They get 50 plus 10 additional hit points per spell slot. They move at a speed of 40 feet. However, Earth can also burrow 40 feet. Air can fly 40 feet, and water can swim 40 feet. Fire do not get a special movement other than they're just their base movement, mm -hmm. okay? 
They are monsters with their stats, having an 18 strength, a 17 constitution, 16 in charisma, 15 in dexterity, and a 10 in wisdom. But they're dumb as your barbarian with a 4 in it. Okay? They have dark vision of 60 and are resistant to some things depending on their type. Air get resistance to acid damage. Air get resistance to lightning and thunder damage. And earth get resistance to piercing and slashing, not bludgeoning. Okay? However, all of the elementals are immune to exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, unconscious, or poison damage. They're also immune to. Okay? Now, fire are, of course, immune to fire damage. Fire elementals immune to fire damage. That tracks. Mm. Okay? They speak primordial, but again, also understand all the same languages as the caster. Okay? They also get an ability called amorphous form. All of them except the earth elemental. What this lets them do is they can move through a space one inch narrow without squeezing. Okay? So your air, your water, and your fire can squeeze through that inch long gap. Your earth can't. They're just going to break through the wall. Okay? Now, they also get a multi-attack, which is just a slam attack that does 1d10 plus 4 plus the spell level of bludgeoning damage for air, water, or earth. This damage is changed from bludgeoning to fire for a fire elemental. Okay? There's our new spells. Three new summoning spells. Only for druids, rangers, and you can summon elemental as a wizard as well. Okay? Mm. But beasts and fey, pretty much just druids and rangers. Okay. This is pretty much all we had in terms of rules until Tasha's also came out, which gave us two new rules. The first of those rules is the wild companion. And what this lets you do is to use your wild shape feature to cast a fine familiar animal companion... Um, much the same way you would use your find familiar to cast, to get a familiar. Now, this familiar is always a fey instead of a beast and follows all the same rules of find familiar as well. So you can't, like, I'm going to summon a winter wolf as my wild companion. No, that's not how this is working. You get, like, a cat or a bird or something small, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this familiar disappears after a number of hours equal to half your druid level. Guys, I want to roll initiative. What do you think of this ability? I got a six. Four. Ten. Uh, So, uh, druids with animal companions. What do you think? uh, I think it's a waste of a wild shape. You think? Yeah, fine, familiar. Instead of your wild shape, it's almost... The wild shape is almost always the better option. Except in maybe certain (sighs) scenarios. I'd say it depends on what kind of druid you are. Like, for me, I love it. But I love my pets, right? Mm. And you have to think, uh, Find Familiar is, you could share your spells through it, and you get to do that with this. Yeah. It has its own initiative, does its own thing, you can set it on missions, and it's a natural animal, right? It may look fey, but it's still a natural animal. So it's going to be able to scout things out. You'll be able to warg into it, I think. And this isn't a replace your wild shape feature, period. Mm. This is is an, an addition to your wild shape feature. This gives you another use... For that ability. Yeah, right? but... Other than just changing into the mouse yourself, right? Yeah, but I mean, Find Familiar is also a druid spell, is it not? No. No? No, okay. it's wizards only. All right, I mean, like, I I don't see why they shouldn't have it. I just personally don't think I would use it a whole lot, Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Kyle. I'm probably not going to use it that much. I dance too close to the traffic all the time, so I would rather just wild shape into the thing myself to sneak through the little keyhole and go and take a look. 
And uh, I think there's more versatility in using Wild Shape for Wild Shape. I think there's like two or three things you might do with this spell occasionally. It's a good scouting spell. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I see it as, right? Yeah. Um, but and, I feel like there's other options for that. Oh, yeah. The summon animal, uh, what is it? Summon nature's ally or summon... Or just rogue or any of the small races. Yeah. They can go first. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Let's Let's move on to the next one. As with every other major caster in the book, they get can uh, cantrip versatility, which is whenever they gain a level in the class, they can replace one cantrip they learned from that spellcasting feature with another cantrip from the druid spell list. It, so basically change one cantrip out whenever you level. Let's roll dice. See? Eight. Four. Seven. So, Terry, do you like... The ability to change cantrips. Ah, oh, man. I think I've been so inconsistent with my answer to this question every time <laughs> it comes up for a class. Like, if you go back through the apps, yes, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, fine. I'm sick of arguing why not. Yeah, sure. It's uh, If you're going to do it, do it. It's not going to be a... It's not going to ruin the campaign for me. You know, I, I, I don't like it because I just don't see how it fits narratively. But uh, it's not game-breaking, so sure. Okay, cool. For me, uh, yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I don't think it's game-breaking. I think it helps your players kind of test out some things as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's not often. If you are leveling every other session, you're playing the game wrong, right? Um, or at least you're not playing the type of game I enjoy playing. Let's put it that way. Dan checked himself there. You're playing it wrong. Well, I mean, if you're doing it every other session and you get to level 20, that's still nearly a full-year campaign, so... Maybe you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I like long drawn out campaigns. I don't care if I'm sitting at level five for six months, right? Because it's more, uh, the campaigns I'm enjoying more often than not right now are the campaigns that are more story driven and my abilities, my abilities don't grow stale because I spend full sessions not having casting a spell right? or, mm -hmm. or anything because I'm. We're doing a debate with the pirate lord about uh, treasure that we've got or That's something right. like that, right? Yeah. Like, so it, it, I like having this there because any any ability that you could give a class to help modify them, especially in the early levels, I like. I have a general standing rule as a homebrew at my table that up until level three, I don't care what you change on your character sheet. Literally anything. Name, race, class, stat block, skills, spells. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Just let me know and we will just operate as if that is what you have always been. Okay? If the change is too drastic, then we might have to do some role play figuring out. Like, we'll, we'll just move your character in and you'll just replace your old character. But I'm okay with that up until level three. But after level three, like you did that level to level four, you're, you're locked in. And that's when I would love using this. Yeah. Right? Because... I like that rule. Yeah. Well, it, it, it encourages... Because for me, I know it takes me three or four full sessions to understand my character. Right? Not even his mm -hmm. motivations. Just like his mannerisms. Yeah. Right? But also, where your character fits in with everyone else. And you have to remember at the same time, everybody else is doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. where do we all settle as a group? So, so if the party has that freedom to kind of modify as yeah. they go, by the time you're level four... You're now a cohesive unit. Everybody knows their class. Everybody knows the classes or those around them. And you work well together as a team, which you're supposed to be. You're an adventuring party. It works that way. Okay. Kyle, what do you think? Do you like cantrip versatility? Yes. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Kyle uh, still likes it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, it's Dan. And Adam. And we want to remind everybody all about the different ways you can listen to this podcast. As we say in every episode, we're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but there are other apps too. Podbean is obviously one of them because it's the site we use to host the podcast, but there's also Amazon Music slash Audible and Google Podcasts. And iHeartRadio, Podchaser, Player FM, and Stitcher. Podcast Addict and Deezer and Overcast. Pocketcast, CastBox, Listen Notes. Podbay, Chartable, Cast. Castro. Uh, Castro? Yep. As in? As, as in Castro for all your high fidel it e needs. Is that an actual thing? Uh, apparently, and it's part of the package we signed up for, and it seems that it's an Apple Podcasts affiliate, so we're going to be nice about it. Dan. Good, good lord. Anyway, you can listen to every episode on any one of these probably non-communist podcasts. Please apps. don't phrase it like that. Yes, comrade. Oh, for fuck's sake. Or you and your glorious party of D&D players can check us out on YouTube where we have everything broken down into playlists. We've also started adding time codes to the show notes of our newest episodes to help you hop around and find the topics you're looking for. Because some of us don't know when to shut up. And of course, our latest episodes are available at itsamimic.com. Da. Now, we're going to be a little selfish and ask everyone out there to take a second and leave a positive review for us on whichever podcast app you're using. Likes and comments are great, but these review metrics really help smaller podcasts, like us, connect with other podcasts and listeners in the community. Take to the fields, comrades! Support the proletariat in a world full of capitalist big dogs! Seriously, any help and or effort you guys could throw our way is appreciated. We love you guys, and we want to keep providing the best content we can. Content of the highest marks. Get it, Dan? Marks? Get communism? Marks? All right, so we have two classes to break down here. We have this, uh, and both of them are from Tasha's. We have Circle of the Wildfire and Circle of the Stars. So, gentlemen, I'm not covering one. I did the big class breakdown. I've sure. talked enough. Roll initiative. See who goes first. Let's go. With a 7. 13. 13. All right, Kyle, what you got for us? I guess that's me. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be talking about Circle of the Stars. Uh, the quote from Tashes is, What about the dark places between the stars? Don't you realize that's where all the good stuff is? Of course, Tashes. She's yeah. so goth. I love her. <laughs> Terry's in love. Since the dawn of time, people have looked up to the stars and wondered, What the fuck is that thing? And Circle of the Stars druids are no different. They spend their lives just as their brothers and sisters before them had, staring up into the inky blackness, trying to discern the secrets that lay within. Drawing their power from starlight, these druids map the constellations and the cosmos, hoping for a better understanding on how the cosmos affects the world around them. Many keep meticulous records of these effects, either on their own or in groups at megalithic sites, meant to be libraries to their arcane knowledge. These libraries can take the form of stone circles, pyramids, petroglyphs, and underground temples. Anything strong enough so their precious knowledge can be protected even in an apocalypse. That's that that by the way is my favorite like not mechanical rule that we've had in a very long time. Like these guys are the most traditional druid you get. Yeah. I oh, fucking yeah. love them. Like they're, they're just <laughs> Obsessed with constellations and and very, like, I love them. Anyways, keep going, keep yeah. going. <laughs> so, the, the Circle of Stars doesn't actually get an expanded spell list, but they do get some really cool abilities. Uh, at second level, you get two features. First one is Star Map. It is a tiny object on which you map the stars. It can also be used as a spellcasting focus and take one of six pre-generated forms, or you can make your own. 
I'm not your boss. Now, while you're holding this fantastical item, you gain a number of benefits, including the Guidance Cantrip, and you know the spell Guiding Bolt, and it does not count against the number of spells known, and counts as a Druid spell for you. So I guess they do kind of get an expanded spell list. Maybe I lied. Well, they get they get Guidance, which tracks for the Star Guide. Sure. It's like, yeah, follow yeah. that star, it'll guide you. And Guiding Bolt, which is like, okay, now we're just going to make that dude the star? Yeah. Blow him up. <laughs> <laughs> Now, on top of this, you can also cast Guiding Bolt without using a spell slot a number of times up to your proficiency bonus and regaining all uses after a long rest. As a DM, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I love that spell. Yeah, that, that is like one of the best cleric divine spells. Yeah. Um, and you get to cast it how many times? Uh, up to your proficiency bonus. Oh, oh, yeah. for free. Yeah. With no spell slot. Yeah. What correct. level do you cast them at? You cast them at base level. Probably. What at base level? So yeah. second level? Would it be? Because you're expending no spell slot, would you just not cast it at the highest level of, uh, or... It no. doesn't say you can rank you it You would up. cast it at, at whatever the base level of the spell yeah. is. Okay. There's so, no option to cast it higher. So it, it, it's base level, I believe, is a second level spell? I think it's second level. Yeah, second level. So, so it's, I mean, that that's what, 3d8 damage, and the next attack against that thing has an issue? 46. Oh, right. 46, and the next attack has uh advantage. It's a free ranged attack, isn't yeah. it? Hit it, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, if you lose the map, you can perform a one-hour ritual to get it back. Uh, the second ability you get is Starry Form, where instead of using your wild shape to turn into a beast, you can instead take one of three Starry Forms. Your body becomes luminous. Your joints shine like stars with glowing lights connecting them. You shed bright light 10 feet and dim light a further 10 feet. It lasts for 10 minutes unless you dismiss it with no action required or you fall unconscious, die, or use the feature again. For forms, you get the archer, which means as a bonus action, you can make a ranged spell attack on a creature within 60 feet of you, launching an arrow made of light. On a hit, that creature takes 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier. You can also take the chalice form, where whenever you cast a healing spell using a spell slot, you can also give 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier HP to a creature within 30 feet of you yourself included. And finally, there's the dragon form, where when you make a wisdom or an intelligence check on a, or a constitution check to maintain a spell, you can treat a roll of nine or lower as a ten. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At sixth level, you gain the cosmic omen ability, where whenever you finish a long rest, you consult your star map and roll a d20. When you get an odd number, you get the woe ability, Whenever a creature you can see is about to make an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can use your reaction to roll a d6 and subtract that number from their roll. As well, long as they're heavy. within 30 feet of you. Yeah. Uh, if you get an even number, you get the wheel ability, which is just the opposite, and you can add a d6 to that roll instead. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. And same thing if it's within 30 feet of you. Uh, at 10th level, you get Twinkling Constellations ability, which means your Archer and Chalice forms get up to 2d8. Uh, the Dragon form now gets 20 feet of flying speed and can hover. Uh, you can also switch between forms at the beginning of each turn. I'm yeeting my bard into a fucking volcano the next yeah. day <laughs> and making one of these. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, at 14th level, you get Full of Stars, where your body turns slightly incorporeal and you gain resistance to bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing damage from non-magical weapons. It's kind of weak for 14th level, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still pretty good. 
so this druid is kind of like a divination druid. Also, two extra first level spell slots at second level is kind of crazy. Guiding Bolt, a deal, which deals 46 and gives advantage on the next hit, is like too strong. I don't think it's too strong so much as I think it's... No, here, how about this? Let's roll some dice and, mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll figure this out, okay? okay. So Okay. I got a natural 20. Ooh. I got a natural 20 as well. I got a nat 1. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm, apparently we're wheeling when we I got a nat 1. I'm going to win with an 8. What okay. is going on here? <laughs> so I, I'm i going to ask myself, but. Uh, well, we have to roll. No, we don't. No, no we don't. Go no. Mm. Um, I'm, the questions here are in a specific order. We're going a different order here. Sure. Because I want to know first, what are the strengths at, when it comes to this class, especially role playing? Okay. For one. This guy is otherworldly. He is, he, I, I don't think he's so much a diviner. I think he might even be a little bit absent-minded of a professor, the way I would play him, because he's just always looking up at the stars, right? Okay. He's always focused on what's going on up there. But this guy is purely party, uh, uh. Concentrated? Yeah. Uh, he's purely party concentrated. He's purely there to help the party and to aid the party as they go, Right. The, the cosmic omen of the wheel and woe is so powerful mm-hmm. that it, I mean, I, I love the fact that they've limited it to a base number equal to your proficiency modifier. But at that point, that's still three times per long rest. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the alternative wild shape features, I love them. I love that they get far more powerful. Um, and I also like that they don't replace your wild shape. If you want to change into a fucking bear, you could change into a fucking bear. However, with something like Chalice around, or I noticed the archer gets to do this as a bonus action when they, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You get a ranged attack as a bonus action whenever you're in this form. Okay, you're still a dude walking around, so you still get your spells. Mm -hmm. You still get to cast, you know, Lightning Storm. And then, oh, I guess I get a bonus action. I'm going to shoot that dude over there. Fuck you. <laughs> right? Like, um, you could even hit that dude with a guiding bolt and then shoot him with a fucking arrow. Yeah. Like, the it, I, what? Like, I, I, I freaking love this. This also gives you a little bit of added protection with the, with the uh, resistance at 14th level. I feel it's a little bit late, but you're a druid. You're known for survivability anyways. And I would note that this... The starry form doesn't replace your hit point totals like yeah. like your wild shape would, right? When you wild shape, you become a bear with 38 hit points, okay? When you use your starry form, you just get a little translucent with points of light on you. You're still you, mm-hmm. okay? So be very aware of how that plays out because if you die with your hit points in your starry form, you don't just pop back with your max hit points you normally would if you have wild shape. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, uh, what do you think are the strengths of this class when it comes to this? Uh, I think when it comes to role playing, you have a reason to be a little bit, uh, a, a little bit otherworldly. I guess I kind of see it as like a Luna Lovegood from that book and movie about the wizard that we don't say the name of. The wizard that has a scar on his forehead. Right. That has yeah. all the Americans taking pictures in the fucking train station in London when you're trying to catch the northern line up to Darlington from platform nine and there's 20 friggin' Americans taking pictures it doesn't matter um I joke I love you all puffer fish uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I go back down <laughs> there you go oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. okay I see it I see it now 
yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, when it comes to strengths for role-playing, you can be uh, a little bit otherworldly and absent-minded, I guess. Not absent-minded, that's the wrong way, but kind of uh, in the stars, you yeah. know? And, uh, and it's going to track. Uh, but but you can be wise with that. It's more that you're you're contemplating things that the other people are not contemplating. You're thinking of from a zoomed out sort of perspective, and and it would be a lot of fun to role play that type of character because you don't have to get caught up in the other bullshit that everyone else is fighting about. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like that idea because it's almost like you've got a timeless mind. Yeah. Right. Like you're thinking so much yes. bigger than the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, like you won't complain about people being excited about a movie in a train station. Yeah. For example. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is a great combat class, obviously. Uh, at a low level, it's already got tons of power behind it. I, do, I don't know how much I see it in role-playing, right? Like, I don't see uh, this guy really interacting with the world around him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's definitely, he's got his head in the stars, right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's a bit of a dreamer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, now, at the same time, this, we've said this with a couple other druids, uh, to me, this feels like the most druidy druid that ever druided. Yeah, right. But they all like, feel like that, don't they? But, but this is the one who this is this is the type of druid that made Stonehenge. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is the type of druid that made the pyramids in uh, Central America, right? And 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 worshipped from the altar at the top of those. Like that, this guy is very rooted into like some real world history. And and as the son of an anthropologist, that makes me so happy. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> What what else? Uh, let's talk okay, about weaknesses. So wait, uh, just I w- I really like this guy for role playing just because I would go around and go yes, just as the stars foretold. Right. <laughs> yeah, everything is just like I would I would come prepared with like a list of like just yeah. innocuous uh, statements. This guy's also like an astrologer. Don't, let's put it that way. We're not. No. So be like, oh, what's what's your sign? Oh, yeah. you're a you're a, you're a Taurus. All right. Yeah. Oh, right. God. Uh, what about negatives? What do we got? Gemini memes all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> what about negatives? Uh, for me, it's. I mean, there's not a whole lot of negative here, to be honest. No, this is it's a very power, strong. Yeah, very strong. Um, I just this 14th level right here. That's the only thing. I, can. And, and I, I think all, that's good to have, right? Because it balances out the rest of it. Yeah, because this this is so front loaded with. Hey, at second level, you get guiding bolts, and you get to cast it a bunch of times without spell slots. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they kind of just, and we're just going to slide, like, that's just the cherry on the top of the Sunday at 14th level. Um, it's a powerful class, and, and you got to consider you get full spellcasting on top of that, right? So, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. This guy is floating around, and, uh, I, th- I mean, negative, you are literally a beacon, you you shine brightly when yeah. you're on your starry. There's form. your negative. There's your okay. So you can't you're, hide. You're a D8 wearing your leather armor. You're gonna get obliterated, right? So stand in the back, stay nice and bright. Make sure you have a fighter near you. Yeah, protection fighter. Yeah, you'll be fine. I just take some points in persuasion and then try to convince people you're a god or a ghost. <laughs> one of the two yeah <laughs> how good would my persuasion role have to be kyle for me to convince you that i'm a god if if you were glowing with like okay the most of is... light and a little bit of translucence to yeah. you not high not no not all. no you're you're either that or you slipped me something in my beer before we started recording one right. of the two exactly <laughs> um let's uh what stats race backgrounds really synergize well with these guys for me Anything with a history of uh, superstition. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the and I'm we always say anything. There's something dreamy. We go Kalishtar. 
fuck that. I'm, I'm getting away from this. Orc. Be a half-orc. Be an orc from Eberron. Mm-hmm. Be a dwarf. Something with, like, some strong, like, spirituality to them, right? I'm not making an elf. The picture is a tiefling. That makes no sense to me, mm-hmm. right? I I want a a shifter if I, if I really have to go Eberron, right? I, I want to have that... Um, superstition is what I'm going to play into more than that uh, focus on someone being otherworldly. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, ASMR works, but it's a bit too on the nose. Mm-hmm. And you get flying anyways. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to be an angel and just figure it out. Be a paladin. That's what you're there for. No. So, <laughs> um, I yeah. I And Sage for background. Right. Yeah. Hermit even. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see this guy do playing well with others very much. Um, other than the fact that he excessively plays well with others mechanically, but I think personality-wise, like there's 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 a gap. Yeah, he right? spends a lot of time on his own studying. Right? Yeah. So, so Terry, what do you think? Race, yeah, backgrounds, what's yeah. I'm loving dwarf. I'm loving dwarf. Um, but I, I I wonder if I would see. Yeah, see, like Sage. Sage also seems like on the nose, though, right? It's yeah, like it does. trying to because I might go like sailor or something. Oh, oh that'd be okay. good. That would be really yeah. good. Yeah. I'm loving that the more I think about it because they follow the stars to sail around. Yeah. yeah. Pirate campaign. Yeah, I'm all over it. You, your party doesn't get lost. But this is also, <laughs> if there's something about the sailor background that you enjoy, like you can't, you, you know, sailor feels like, well, if you're doing anything that's on land, you're kind of wasting it here. But this, it feels like that, 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 that bridge over. Okay, like your your sailor skills and background now can apply when you're somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. you can still you can still enjoy the background, like flavor background of your character somewhere else. Yeah, you're in the middle of a of a wide open field in the dark of night, and right. your dwarf's pulling out a sextant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> he was despite, despite the restraining order. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what do you think? Uh, uh, race class. Uh, well, my first thought was Vidalkin. Because they kind of fit the mold, you know. They, I would probably go mechanically something with an intelligence bump. Um, but I also really like the idea of this guy being part of a race that lives underground most of the time. And, well, not most of the time, but someone who started off underground never seeing the sky. And then the first time he does comes out to a full bright night sky and just falls in love. So I would probably play a drow. Wow, okay. Oh, okay. I'm really thinking outside the box. Because, I mean, if you go with the sunlight sensitivity, this guy spends all his time out at night. He doesn't go out during the day kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I really like that. And, like, mostly to piss off Terry, play Suburf Neblin um, and just play a, a, a dark gnome. No. Uh, and then come out with one of these guys as a dark gnome. <laughs> For the exact same reasons. All right. Uh, it's not gnomes. I just don't like small people. <laughs> Heightest. I also so, don't like people that are far away, Kyle, if that makes it easier. Look at that guy over there. Fuck that dude. <laughs> walks over, he's six foot two. Exactly. That's and what Terry's now suddenly, fuck that's that dude. What's up, bro? <laughs> fuck that dude. He's taller than me. Terry, we're going from the guys who love knights to the guys who love... The bright. Right. Let's talk about these circle of wildfires. Yeah, I need Tashes for the little quote there. You can have Tashes for the little quote there. Quotation, technically. I hate when people say quote. It's a quotation, but I shall quote the quotation. And Tasha says, I can't tell you how many times I burned everything to the ground and started over. 
Tasha, preach. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I feel you. So, for, for a little bit of flavor background, for Circle of the Wildfire that I have, uh, these are these are druids that are not like regular druids where they're very connected to, to like nature and living, but this is a druid that sort of embraces the rebirth that comes from wildfire, that they don't view that as destruction, but more like uh, rebirth. And that is something I suppose is true, right? When it happens into the forest, although it's dis- disasters and we feel it in BC a lot, from that does come rebirth. And mm-hmm. I like the idea of leaning into that for something that seems so destructive and chaotic, but they don't view it that way um, at all. So let's get into this then. So going through their their abilities that we find here. So a second level, you get your circle spells. So you link with your wildfire spirit and that grants you access to spells at certain levels. Uh, These spells are always prepared and it does not count against your number of prepared spells for the day. And the spells you access that are not on the druid spell list are now considered druid spells for you. And those spells include, we have burning hands, cure wounds, Flaming Sphere, Scorching Ray, Plant Growth, Revivify, Aura of Life, Fire Shield, Flame Strike, and Mass Cure Wounds. So, uh, these guys really like phoenixes, is what you're telling me. Mm. So, what Dan's mentioned here, we mentioned the phoenix thing there. What I'm seeing is real opposite ends of the scale, right? So, we have, like, vitality and life, but then we also have destruction on the opposite side. And then it's, like, the relationship between the two. Mm -hmm. It's, like, pulling them together. Well, there's... um... I think a, a certain type of pine cone uh, that only um, Opens. flowers yeah, after a fire. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of digging into that idea. Yeah. I love that. I didn't know about that. Is that true? Do we have those in BC? Uh, yeah. uh, we have a lot of those in BC. Oh, we do? I yeah. Don't know nothing. <laughs> we also have a lot of wildfires. So yeah, hey. we do. Yeah. <laughs> and floods. Yeah, wildfires oh. and floods. Oh. Uh, also at second level, you get your summon wildfire spirit, which is uh, where you can summon a wildfire spirit, which you are bound, which is bound to your soul. And as an action, you can expend one wild shape to summon this spirit, and it'll go into an unoccupied space that you can see within 30 feet. Each creature within 10 feet of it when it appears, if you want them to, uh, must succeed on a dex save or take 2d6 fire damage. This wildfire spirit is friendly to you and obeys your commands. It uses your proficiency bonus and you can decide the form that it takes. In combat, it shares your initiative, but its only action is dodge, but it can do other actions on your bonus action. If you are incapacitated, it can do the other actions anyway. Sixth level, you get enhanced bond with your wildfire spirit. So when your wildfire spirit is summoned and you do a spell that causes fire damage or or you restore hit points with the spell, you roll a d8 and you add that number to that bonus. That's massive. I know, I love it. At 10th level, you get cauterizing flames. Just the name of that one, I'm all over. I'm instantly intrigued by this one. Um, Barbarian goes... I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so what are you doing with that the poker? Barbarian what are you doing with that poker? <laughs> the barbarian red bandages. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, healing, yes. Um, so when you cast, uh, sorry, when a small or a larger creature dies within 30 feet of you or your wildfire spirit, uh, harmless spectral flames appear within that space and they flicker for one minute. And when a creature you see enters the space, a reaction will extinguish the flame and either heal the creature or deal fire damage to it. And that would be 2d10 plus your wisdom modifier for that uh, for that damage or that healing. And you can use that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and it will come back on after a long rest. That's massive. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. How about this? Especially as a, hey, fuck that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I know we're all looking at it going, okay, this is how you save the party member that, that, that is prone to dropping. 
No, 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 no. This is how, this is how you you make sure that the dead guy stays dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. reminded me of Super Bomberman. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah kind of a delayed reaction there. Fourteenth uh, level, we get Blazing Revival, which I think is another good band name for like a, like a power metal band or something like that. Uh, if you drop to zero hit points and your wildfire spirit is within one hundred and twenty feet of you. That spirit can drop to zero hit points so that you can regain half of your hit points and immediately raise to your feet. Yeah. You get that back after a long rest. This this is a nice 14th level ability. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like explode in flame and as the flames die, you oh. see your silhouette standing there just like breathing it. Like go anime with this. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I like it when players describe what they're doing, like with regards to their spells and stuff. But DMs, if you have a player that either doesn't know they can do that or doesn't like to do that, do this for them. Bring mm-hmm. this scene alive for me. Yeah, exactly. All right, so guys, let's let's grab our dice and uh, let's ask some questions here. Let's do it. I got a three. I got 11. Oh, 14. All right, Kyle. Uh, let's go with uh, strengths of the class when it comes to role-playing. Uh, I mean, as long as you don't lean too heavy into the burn everything to the ground kind of thing, right. I think it really has a lot of flexibility in how you can play uh, alignment and motivation wise. Uh, like, there's a lot of um, like death and rebirth in it. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, you and can this, go and a this lot is going to be your one character that's like really, really going out of his way to reinforce the idea that there is something after life. Right, and and they've kind of got that whole circle of life idea yeah. down pat, right? So I, I I like I like that for these guys because the, a lot of the classes that deal with death and rebirth are very much just a okay, you died, that sucks, let's reverse that. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Almost like a Buddhist character. Yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with what you said there, Dan. But I what I took more from it was the idea of because of the extremes from the fire to the to the the restoration side. That and the whole nature part of it being a druid, I feel that that was emphasizing neutrality. It's the idea of um, you can we we can be extremes on either side of this, and so when role playing that, you're not going to lean heavily either way. You're gonna okay. you're gonna flip mm-hmm. between them, and for me, that means a lot of neutrality. And so that really is nature, where I see it. Nature doesn't care about you and your opinions and how inconvenient this flooding is that we're dealing with, right? Yeah. It's gonna happen if it's gonna happen. But everything is good and bad at a certain time. So what I, I'm not a huge fan of with these guys, and I think it's just a little bit of a disservice to them, is they don't get the ability to change into a fire elemental with their wild shape. With their wild shape. Mm, okay. I, I would really love to see them. They get to summon a wildfire spirit, but uh, they're going to be standing next to their circle of the moon druid friend at level 10 going, well, yeah, you really like fire? Well, I am fire, right? And uh, I... I just know that if I was playing this guy, I'd look at that and be like, well, what the fuck, man? I want to turn into a fire elemental. The thing about it is uh, you're bonding with a spirit, right? Yeah. So it's not so much that you're becoming it. Yes, but you... It's you, the, you have the, a relationship like life and death does. Yes, but I also look at the spell selection you get. You know, you get burning hands, flaming uh, spear, scorching ray, fire shield, and flame strike. This, is, this isn't just a slight relationship with fire. You're going steady. Okay, you're 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 talking about other holes at this point. Like there's there is something here that I think is missing, and that is a utilization of the wild shape feature, which is so integral to mm-hmm. a druid, right? Like um, you see two foxes running next to each other. 
One of them is lit in flame and the other one is just a normal fox. Which one do you think is the special one? Okay. Because in the actual situation, it's the normal fox. Mm -hmm. And you've got a wildfire spirit that is the shape of a fox running next to you. It it just feels a little wumpy. It's just something I don't like as a a picky thing. I love it otherwise. I have a player in my my Monday night who is one of these. Yeah. He plays it wonderfully. So um, that would be my one uh, criticism of it. Uh, what are the negatives of of the wildfire? Beyond that, I uh, I think you're railroaded a little bit, you right? You, well, you're railroaded in that you're not quite a cleric with your healing abilities. I mean, you have some great stuff there, but you're railroaded into fire, mm-hmm. and so man, you better hope the whole campaign revolves around something that you can do. Because as soon as you start going underwater, or you start wherever, like all of this is taken away from you. And uh, while it is very exciting, it's going to be exciting at the times when it's easy to be excited. But there's going to be times in the campaign, of course, where you're just going to feel kind of useless. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't really think you're railroaded into fire because, I mean, you still get the full cleric spell list. So you can, or sorry, druid spell list. So you can take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, those spells kind of revolve around it. And you can also still wild shape, right? So you're not required to always summon the spirit. Right. So you still have a bunch of other things you can do. Uh, I do like how the Wildfire Spirit also does have some negatives to it, right? Like it can yep. damage your own party. Uh, it also has the jumping ability where it can teleport. You also have to use your bonus action to tell it what to do. Whereas if you have the summoning spells, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, right? that's true. I also just wish that the Spirit got an upgrade like the Circle of the Stars did, right? Like I hate that it's only 1d6 damage, and then plus your proficiency bonus, right? That's the only real bump stat it gets, yeah. along with health. It's strong at early levels, and then eventually will just peter out. Yeah, right. so, yeah, you are a little bit right that you get kind of railroaded with that, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, but I mean, if you're, you know, if your DM's experienced enough or, or kind of uh, aware of this, um, they, they should kind of be helping you out. They shouldn't be uh, limiting you, really. Yeah, and and I mean, also remember that this thing is around for an hour unless you uh, unless it dies. Does not require your concentration, which is helpful. So you could have an hour long summon of a fire elemental and one of these guys out at the same time, and then your turns are taking for fucking ever because you've got you, your wildfire spirit, and your summoned creature that you are figuring out what to do with mm-hmm. on yeah. your turn, right? Um, me as a fighter, I'm sitting there looking at you going, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> I go, I hit it three times, and I walk the fuck away. You go, and you hit it three times with fucking 20 minutes in between each one. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, figure your shit out, and only have one of these fucking things out at once. Right. Actually, I, in the campaign, <laughs> I'm playing... so aggressive. <laughs> I feel like this is what I sound like now that I'm no, listening to you. I'm well, like, no, is, this see, what, is this me? No, I, I just... I get a lot of shit for being the guy who likes Animal Companions, and that's basically what this is. And I understand and appreciate the shit that I get, because if you are not playing with the party in mind when you're being one of these guys... Your turns will take disproportionately longer than everyone else's. So if you are playing one of these guys, I'm just saying part of don't be a dick. The big rule of Dungeons and Dragons is pay attention and know what the fuck's going on. Mm. This is not a lazy players no. class. You got to yeah. be on the ball because you'll it's one of those uh, it's one of those classes where 
you should be trying to keep up, like you say, but it's one of those things where the two people that go right before you are going to fuck everything up. They're going to move out. The, the rogue is not going to be where you need them to be. They're going to be whatever. Yeah. So you've got to be quite switched on. I don't think this is a new player class. Not at all. No, no. I would agree with you. Well, let's let's talk about what race synergies, uh, sorry, what race and background synergies there are for this guy. We'll go with the same order. Terry, you were, uh, was it Terry first? Kyle first. I was. Kyle, you were first. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so... I mean, there's obviously the Fire Genasi Scourge oh, yeah. ASMR that would work really well with it. Uh, but, you know, I really like the idea of a quote-unquote monstrous race for this. So a lizard folk, a goliath, an orc, goblin. Um, I It screams to me an emotionally reactive character. Yes, yeah, this guy's... I, I would agree with you on that one, yeah. So I like the idea... I also like the idea of a goblin with a fire dog best friend, so... Like, that seems like it would be a really fun class to play. Yeah. So, I think that's what I would go for. Um, as for backgrounds, I mean, regular druid stuff. Sage. Well, maybe actually not Sage. Wanderer. Wanderer would be nice. Outlander. Yeah. Outlander, yeah. yeah. Um, something like that. Um, Terry, what do you got? I want to lean into something where those extremes are already apparent for race. So, something like half-orc. where Because with this, you're working between the extremes of, like, fire and vitality but i like the idea of half orc that are already struggling to fit in to uh with it within like either society and and this is just another reason where it's like the fiery side of you may well fit in with the orcs but i don't think what they would see as like the weaker kind of life-giving which will also go with your human side may not fit in but then on the other side that extreme of uh like the fire side is not going to fit in over here mm -hmm. so you want to kind of do so like i want to like um amplify that that split um so i think half orc could work very well especially because i don't imagine these people are going to fit in in society very well anyway so half orc would be great for that if you do something with like an outlander background yeah. cool um, for me, and I, I think there's one race that works better than any other when it comes to these guys, and it is the high military race of a hobgoblin. I see... Oh, I guess you were going to say hobgoblin yeah. before you said anything. Yeah. <laughs> Points uh, to me. These guys scream to me of being like the hobgoblin devastator. They're, they're like the, the caster that stands at the back commanding the hobgoblin troops to go forward. He's got his little pet that's just wreathed in flame that sits on his shoulder. He's using his cauterizing flames to kill foes from a distance, like, and kill them. Like, that one's down, but he's still kicking. He's out now. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That level of stuff. Um, he's using his wildfire spirit to fling miniature fireballs while he's sitting there throwing literal fireballs at things, right? Um, his blazing revival, he's also got that whole big thing is, you know, you finally get through the army, you get up to the boss, you kill him, and then he stands the fuck back up with half his hit points. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I, as a player, there would be nothing more frustrating than that. And um, we've we've taken a look into fizz bands now, and there's a higher level dragon that can do that shit. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, you take it down to zero hit points, it comes back with basically its full hit points and new actions. Right. Have yeah. fun, guys. <laughs> Kill it twice. Uh. And I'm like, that, that, okay, that's what a circle of wildfire druid is to me. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And nothing to me exemplifies that more than like the hyper re regimented um hobgoblin race right can you imagine like doing this and then your wildfire spirit misses and technically it's your class feature so you just kind <clears> of <throat> and he does it again to save face yeah because you'd yeah. be able to save face with that so sure i love why it. why not right interesting okay, take yeah. so that's pretty cool like it. all right uh so if you guys like what you heard or you have any comments 
questions, or maybe you think we missed something, we'd love to hear whatever feedback you got. You can find us at Instagram, Facebook, and r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. Uh, you can also send us any mailbag questions you want to hear for our mailbag episodes at info at it's a mimic.com. Uh, we'd also love to see some positive reviews from you guys. Share us on social media. We mostly depend on word of mouth, so give us some shout outs. Thank you guys. All right, so we are going to move on now. Let's talk about some inspiration and character builds. Let's grab our dice. Let's see what character builds we have using these two classes. Three, six, Twelve. nine. Oh, 17. All right, what you got, Kyle? All right, so... Kyle's character builds are always so in-depth. They They're are so in-depth, yeah. Up with. I prefer it when you go last. <laughs> uh, so I'm going back to my original thought, and I'm picking a drow, Circle of the Druid, or Circle of the Stars Druid. Uh, raised up in the Underdark, he always felt as though something was missing from his life, a calling that he could just never quite put his finger on. Wanderlust struck him young, and with every passing year, he took every opportunity he could to range further and further from home. He felt a calling deep in his soul, crying out to him, just waiting to be found. Until one day, his hunting party was attacked by a beholder. They were killed in minutes, and he fled as far and as fast as he could, until he found himself standing at the mouth of a cave, staring up into the most beautiful sight he had ever beheld, the night sky. He was transfixed. He had found his calling. Now he just had to learn their secrets. The thing I love the I most about this, this one, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to buy this book. Um, except I'm getting real sick and tired of drow like protagonists. Sure. Yeah, but uh, but the um, thing I love the most about this is that interesting dichotomy of his entire hunting party was killed by a beholder, which is an aberration, which is a beast from beyond the stars. <laughs> and what does he fucking love more than anything else? The stars. <laughs> you fool! <laughs> you damned know, fool! Right? Freaking love it. Um, for me, uh, I, I'm, I'm really going to lean into it here and go with my hobgoblin circle of wildfire. Right. And I want this guy to have been, uh, um, like all hobgoblin culture, uh, listen to the hobgoblin mob episodes to get more of a flavor there. But, um, uh, this guy is raised from birth with his pet squirrel or whatever it is, just a small creature that he has on his shoulder at all times. He plays with it, everything else, and it dies in an attack by a group of adventurers, right? Dies to a flaming spear or something. And in his moment of passion, he manages to pull this spirit out much later on in life to aid him as a circle of wildfire druid. He has this thing that goes with him. It keeps his friends alive. It keeps him alive. It serves him. It, it um, embodies that. And he has taken that pain of flame and made that his reality now. Yeah. Right? And you could go with an evil character and be like, now everyone else must feel what I felt. Mm -hmm. Right? Or you could go the, the redeemed route with it, the good route with it, and be like, fire hurt me. But there is goodness from that. I want other people to see that good can come from destruction as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so a hobgoblin, circle of wildfire, druid, and I'm going folk hero for this guy. Right? Like this guy, his, the he's the leader. People know about this guy's story. He's got too great a story to miss. So people know about this guy when he's walking into town. And that'll help him play as a PC a little bit. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Okay? Because... When you get to these monstrous races, if you don't have an excuse to be allowed in a party, uh, it's hard to be in a town when you're a hobgoblin. Yeah. Right? 
Gary, what do you got? I love it. I kind of built mine around the idea of being an NPC because I was leaning into neutrality. So there's a time when um, when when they can be working for you or working against you. But I was I'll stick with my subclass. So I'll go for a wildfire druid. But I want to go protector ASMR for this. And the reason being, mechanically, as a protector ASMR, you get the little bump to wisdom. Uh, but I was watching uh, I was watching Midnight Mass on Netflix, and they were talking a lot about, in that show, I know it's a Stephen King book, uh, about, uh, they were reminding the audience about how uh, terrifying angels are in the, in oh, the yeah. Bible, and how everybody is afraid of them when they see them. And I was thinking about not linking this, uh, this ASMR with their celestial blood to like any particular god, but maybe just the divinity of nature itself. And how sometimes nature is terrifying in itself, but sometimes it works in your favor. And leaning into that that real theme of, uh, of neutrality. And so having this NPC where they're essentially an extension of whatever's going on in nature. If it is time for a wildfire and destruction and rebirth, then they will amplify that in their mission. Because they, they feel like that, that is their calling and that is what nature is telling them to do. But if it's time for rebirth and vitality and healing, then they'll go that way. So it's an NPC where sometimes it's going to go with your agenda and sometimes it's not but with that uh with that neutrality it's um it it it's it's like you can never you you never know what to expect and you're you're solely like a victim to the ride mm. you know you are not in control around this person and so that's why i i would find them to be so terrifying cool all right sweet well guys is there any other things we want to mention about druids we're now three episodes in i love them as a class i desperately want to play one my opinion has changed from two years ago when we recorded the first druid episode Mm -hmm. um what do you guys think uh any other information you want to get out there on these guys i think wizards has done a fantastic job at opening our minds with druids right it's Mm -hmm. like i've moved away from that Forest green hermit wearing their plant-based sandals that just fucking annoys everybody who's ever touched concrete. Like it's it, and now I see new inspirations for them. And I thought your hobgoblin idea was actually fantastic because it was it was really far away from like a traditional druid, but still fit very well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I feel that like my inspiration is being expanded with them, and uh, and that's down to that's down to the great work that Wizards has done here. Yeah, I really love everything they've done in Tasha's. Right, it's really it's done some cool new abilities. So cool. I'm for it. Yeah, man. I, I, I really like everything that they've put forward with Tasha's uh, there. There's not a whole lot of stinkers in this book, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some things that are a bit overpowered and like dance on that line. Um, I don't think I, any of the Druid classes presented here do that. Um, they're powerful. They're fun, but I think they're more fun than they are powerful. So I, I really like them. Anyways, that'll be it for this discussion on Druids for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be calling up on Jeff, the zombie knight, to see what he thinks of the new rogue subclasses. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button that some of you have been using, thank you, on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of the podcast out there to the community, so please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. 
right. I guess this is kind of a two-part question. So have you ever met anybody uh, that had a druid-sounding name? Or if you were going to name your child and you wanted to make sure that they were going to become a druid, what would you name them? Okay, just real quick. What is a druid-sounding name? Okay, so I met these two twins one time, and their names were Bramble and Twig. I, okay, before we go any further, <laughs> I cannot <Trigger>. stand <laughs> stupid names. Do you know what you're doing to that child for the rest of their life? Giving them because, a life full of unique Just because you want to be a fucking hippie for a minute, and now your child is destined to live like this. As as the only person at this table who has kids. Uh, with good, strong names. <laughs> with good, strong names. But, like, I... I went in with it because I'm a very proud Irishman, right? Like, I, I've, I'm very proud of my Irish heritage. So, uh, What was your question? Druidy names. Druidy names. Like, did you know anybody with a druidy name? Or if you were going to pick a druidy name for a child, sure. what would you pick? Should we roll? Okay. Sure, I feel like I already answered the question. 11. I got a 2. 17. Oh, I guess it's me again. Hmm. So you knew a bramble and a snow pelt? A bramble and twig. Twig. Yeah. No, I'm out. I hate it. Yeah. Legitimately their names. Yeah. Legitimately their names. We uh, we met them on like a hippie island, right? Like the island had a free store where people would just come and like leave things and then take other things. I hate these people. Yeah. Already (laughs) I hate them. And everything they pretend to stand for. (laughs) They were super nice. I don't know. I like, uh, I guess, um, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, if anybody watches the CFL, uh, they used to have a player uh, whose last name was Brackenridge, and I always liked that name. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, release the Bracken. I like. I always thought that was uh, kind of druidy, I suppose. Well, you look at, I think it's Goliaths. Their naming convention has to be something like, some weird made-up fantasy word for the first name, as is tradition. That's fine. But their last names are always something like Fallen Bridge or mm. Stone's Leap or something like that. And if I was to name my child like a druid, everything would have that very like birch, uh, birch heart or something like that. Right. right? Like right. I, I want to have like a connection between their humanity and nature right. in their name. Well, we got a lot of indigenous names in Canada. Of course, we do. Well. Yeah. I met a, I met a, a girl once. Her name was Terry as well. Actually, the female spelling of Terry, and her last name was Thunderchild. Terry Thunderchild. That's amazing. I was yeah. like, that's the most badass name I've ever heard in my life. You sound like a superhero. Well, go, I mean, go, like, be free. Great Canadian uh, musician Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Like yeah. if there ever was a halfling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so this druid is kind of like a division, divin, divination druid. Oh my god! You could jump over to the YouTube. Nope. Or you could jump over to just YouTube. Nope. Uh, what, what? Oh shit! What's going on? iPhone. Hang on. Well, for one, it's an Apple. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh no! <laughs> I'm outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think the engineering team at Apple is capable of making a good smart device, Dan? Uh, I I believe they are very capable of making a good smart device that is five years behind the cutting edge of smart devices. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps you can make a better one. I can't. Okay. <laughs> but I could buy a better one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so good point, Dan. Petrified. Points. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Did you catch that at home? Yeah. <laughs> Cut that, Tyler. You fuck. Um, You're not going to count that as your cough? No, that, that that's not my one cough that I get. Thanks for listening. Bye.